I want to show you a picture of a guy. His name is Paul Yonggi Cho. He is the pastor of Yodoi Full Gospel Church in Seoul, Korea. And did I mention they have one million members? That's pretty awesome. That's like four times the population of Erie County that gather together to worship. That's just massive. And I have trouble just soaking that in. Some of you have trouble coming to a church this size because you thought it's so big. Go to one that has a million. The only thing that I can, that I can just get close to that is in 1997, I went with some guys from this, this community of faith. We went down to Washington, D.C., to, the, to the, the mall there. My wife thought I was going to a store. I said, no, no, it's where Monuments Mall. And, it's, and, and so we went to the mall, and, and we worshiped God together with Promise Keepers. And you see a picture there, over one million of us. That was just dynamic. But I want to tell you what impacted me the most with one million guys. There came a moment after there'd been a lot of worship and, and yelling and just it was just intense that they asked us to go face to face with Jesus and go down on our faces on the ground before God in silence. One million guys. The silence was deafening. And there was such a presence of the Almighty because no matter if it's a small chapel or one million people in a church, it always comes down to this, face to face with Jesus. It starts that way. When Paul Yonggi Cho was being raised, he was raised a Buddhist. At age 17, he was diagnosed with terminal tuberculosis. And he had this friend, this girl, that would come by and see him every day, and she would tell him about Jesus. And one day she knelt before him and began to pray for Cho and began to weep. Cho said to her, don't cry. I know about your Christian love. I'm going to die anyhow, so I will become a Christian for you. She handed him her own Bible and said, here, if you read this faithfully, you will find the words of life, which he did. And he began to have these series of encounters face-to-face -face with Jesus, including a vision. And he put his faith in Jesus. We talk about walking this journey with Jesus, but it always starts with us having a face-to-face -face with Jesus and then having continued face-to-face -face encounters with Jesus on this journey. And on that journey, we will discover when you go face-to-face -face with Jesus that he will stretch us, he will thrill us, he will scare us. He does. And he will heal us. He will reward us. He prods us into what we've been calling the holy wild. The Holy Wild is this place beyond just putting faith in Jesus, actually journeying with Jesus, walking with him, following him. And in that Holy Wild, we discover a God with massive mercy, just so intense. But we also find a God that is beyond our control, a God we discover can be unsafe to us whose expectations at times seem so unreal that it scares us. 
We become frightened because we like that dying on the cross, forgiving our sins God thing that he does. We like that. But when he says, I want you to trust what I want you to do, the expectations I have for you, I need for you to trust me. We go, oh, well, wait a minute, but that you're just way out of control here because we don't know what you're going to ask us to do. When I was in, in college, I went to a Christian college, and so we would begin classes with prayer. And we, we had one instructor that would, would want one of us in the class to pray, and so he would look around until he went eye contact with somebody, and then he'd ask him to pray. We all soon caught on after like the second week, so we always cut our heads down. And he, no, no kidding, he would be sitting and he'd go like this trying to get our attention, because we didn't want the face-to-face. It is so easy for us to blend into the masses of people, even in this setting, and say, God, I'm here with the people, and and God says, I want it face-to-face, and we just keep hiding, because we don't want to go eye-to-eye with him, because he can be uncontrollable, and he can make things really difficult for us, because you know, you know when you get face-to-face with God, he's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do. Because I just know, I just know, if, if I say it out loud, I don't ever want to live in San Francisco, guess where I'll move? <laughs> if I say I don't like rednecks, you know he's going to put me and he's going to stick me with shoppers after midnight at Walmart in Fort Smith, Arkansas. <laughs> Why? Because the thing we don't want to do reveals our heart. Jonah was a Jew, and his nation was under imminent threat from a very cruel and bloodthirsty nation. The Assyrians were known for pillaging and burning and murdering and raping and and kidnapping. And the truth of the matter is, Jonah knew that they were going to come one day and take those people of Israel out after doing those very things. He hated the Assyrians. And he has this face-to-face with God, which he just hates because God says to him, I want you to go to Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. And I want you to warn them that if they don't stop their evil ways, I will destroy them. And, And if I'm Jonah, I'm thinking, why warn them? Just destroy them. Let's go get them now. Nuke them. Just just let them fry. But what he understands, what he doesn't like, is that God even loves them. So we know that Jonah, not liking this, runs the other way. And if you know the story, you know that God stops him, interrupts his his flight with a big storm and a big fish. So he turns and he goes back and he goes into the city of Nineveh and he tells them they must repent. And to his surprise and to his anger, they do. They repent. Jonah is livid. And the story says this in Jonah 3. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. But Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still at home? That is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and a compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. See, Jonah's thinking, God doesn't get it. He doesn't get this. You know, when Pam and I lived in, in, in Boise, Idaho, we had some neighbors who were heavy partiers. And Robert and Jerry partied, and their son really partied. And so 
It was bad enough that they partied, but when they were having the party, they used to throw all their empties and all their trash over the fence into our yard. So I'd always have to go out and clean up the stuff and mumble about it and gripe and complain about it, and Pam would go, just go clean it up. And then in addition to that, our front yards joined together. And so I would mow mine, and he wouldn't mow his, so I had a really nice manicured lawn, and his grass was just really stupid. And so, <laughs> so I began mowing his yard. He'd see me, and I'd wave like, oh, Jesus loves you. And inside, I'm going, you jerk. <laughs> so one day, they had the big party the night before, and then the backyard's covered with, with garbage. And so I go out, just picking it up, and I'm, I'm picking the stuff up. And, and I walk in the house, and I smell chocolate chip cookies. And Pam makes the world's best chocolate chip cookies. And I thought, she's rewarding me for being such a wonderful servant. I looked around, I couldn't find her, and I couldn't find the cookies. She walks in a few minutes later, I go, where's the cookies? I smell the cookies. She said, well, I took them next door to Jerry and Rob, and I figured they probably needed something after that wild party. <laughs> I said, well, where are they? She said, I took them all. I'm thinking, you don't get this. I'm the good guy here. I should be sitting here eating cookies, and they should be cleaning up the yard. You don't get it. God, you've got this backwards. Appreciate the words of Mark Buchanan who says, he's stern toward his children and indulgent toward strangers. He scolds all the wrong people, pampers all the wrong people. He gives fatted calves to prodigals, but not so much as a goat to his dutiful sons. See, it's hard to obey a God like that, but that's the way of the holy wild. Because what happens, it begins to reveal the difference between God's heart and my heart because he's holy. We've looked at this word. Holy means an awful thing. That if, before God's throne right now, if, if we could zip in right there right now, we would see millions and millions and, and just really strange creatures declaring holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And there's this antiphonal chant, one side yelling holy, 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 then the other side holy, 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 and back and forth it goes. And the elders are calling holy, holy, holy. They look at him and they bow back down, they look back up and they bow back down and each time go holy, holy, holy. The word means this is an awful predicament we're in because you are so massive and you are so loving and you are so perfect and you are so pure and you are so other than we are. You're other, 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 other. You are so other. And we're not. And boy, do we know we're not. You're so other. And that's what scares us. Because he's so other, we don't want to see him face to face. So Cho made the mistake of saying to God, I will go anywhere in this world and tell them about what Jesus has done for me. I will preach the gospel, which is Jesus is Lord. Except Japan. He was angry about how his family and his nation had been treated by the Japanese during World War II. The Japanese were his Ninevites. So God and he were having this argument back and forth, and he was having this face-to-face -face with God. And sure enough, when you have face-to-face -face with God, sometimes he's going to tell you to do something you do not want to do, and it's revealing the heart. And then he gets this invitation to go speak in Japan, and he fights it and fights it, and finally he says, okay, I will be obedient. I will obey. I will go. But he went bitter. His first group of people that he was to, to preach to and talk to were a group of pastors. And so in this condition, he gets before them, 
And his very first words as he begins his first time on Japanese soil to these pastors, his first words are these. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Not exactly the icebreaker you want for a successful tour. Sometimes God leads us into those places we don't want to be because he wants to reveal what's deep down in here, in our hearts, because the heart issue goes way beyond the obedience issue. In fact, let me just be bold to say, yeah, we used to sing this song when I was growing up in the church, and it was, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. Well, let me just tell you, obedience by itself is not much good. You say, but that's the Jonah story. He obeyed, he went, they repented, everybody's happy, everything is good. No, because Jonah is more miserable now in his obedience than he was in his disobedience. And really, unlike your big sister, God does not concoct ways to make you miserable. God wants to reveal the poison that's eating you alive inside. You say, well, it's a good thing he obeyed because then God did that thing. But let me just tell you that God is so powerful, he can use our disobedience as well as our obedience. Because Jonah, this, this runaway prophet, became a reluctant evangelist, an accidental evangelist. Because he's running to Tarshish, he gets on a boat, and then this storm comes up, and the sailors are astute enough to figure out somebody... Somebody has insulted their God, and, the, and some God is angry. And then they, they go through this process and figure out, it's Jonah, and say, what did you do? Where are you from? What happened? What is, what's going on here? Jonah's response is this. I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and land. And he says, now, if you want the storm to stop, because they're all going to die if, if you don't do something, he says, throw me overboard. Serious? Yeah, throw me overboard. So they say, okay, God, this guy, Jonah's God, whoever you are, uh, the Hebrew God, we're going to throw him overboard. We just understand we're doing this because he told us to and don't hold us accountable for this. And so they do, and the storm stops. And the scripture says that at this time, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Whoo. May I introduce to you Jehovah God. See, either whether it's obedience or disobedience, God can still use that because obedience is not for God's sake. He's much more powerful than our disobedience. Obedience is for our good. But Jonah was, was incredibly miserable after his obedience. I mean, in the whale, when he was swallowed by the big fish, he prays for deliverance. And now that the city has been delivered, he prays to die. Jonah says, oh, now, O oh Lord, take away my life, for it's better for me to die than to live. He says, I did what you said, and I'm going to tell you right now, it stinks. Isn't it amazing that obedience can make us more hardened to God than disobedience? So this may come as a shock to you, but I'm not as perfect as I think I am. And I'm not as perfect as I should be because I've been following Jesus ever since I can remember and I'm, I'm 58 and so I've been following Jesus, I guess, for 58 years and, and so I've really tried to be obedient. That's been hammered into me and, and God has shown me that it's better for me to be obedient so I've really tried to be obedient. I have moved my family from place to place to place as I have felt like God said to, to lead them and, and so I've done that even if it may be, have been difficult. 
I can recall about 18 and a half years ago standing on this stage in this church inviting us to be their pastors and we're moving from Oregon to here and as we're walking off the stage, our youngest son who's in elementary school tugs on Pam's hand, looks up and says, you have ruined my life. So then he tried to ruin ours. But I had to be obedient. We did that thing. We have, we have been in places where we've had to pray in food and, 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 and pray out nasty people. We've been in places where we've had to pray against curses being sent against us as, as witches and, and Satan worshipers have sat in our, in our pews with, with upside down crosses and, and throwing out curses at us, but we've stayed and, we, and we've obeyed. God knows that I love warm weather. So in 1995, the Lord said, Behold, the Lord said, Go to the land of Erie, <laughs> the land of beer and bowling, the land of snowblowers and eternal road construction, and there thou wilt discover lake effects. <laughs> so we've been obedient. But obedience is not enough. So last Sunday, I had one of those days. I didn't want to come to church. I, I just had one of those moments. And, and so Saturday night, my routine is I get out for Sunday morning what I'm going to wear. Because I, I told you a story a long time ago about how I didn't get ready on a Sunday, Saturday night, get stuff ready, and it messed me up on Sunday. So I got stuff ready. And, and so... It's early morning, and I come in before Pam comes in on Sunday mornings. And so I'm just starting to get ready, and she just, she's laying in the bed, and she just opens up one eye. And she says, are you going to wear that? <laughs> well, you haven't been married long enough. I know what that means. It means, oh, you shouldn't really wear that. Well, that ticks me off. I'm, 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 I'm on a move. I'm, I've got a schedule. I have everything ready to go, including when I'm going to have breakfast and, when, and what time I'm going to be here. I'm just that kind of guy. And she's, she's, she's telling me it's not going to work. And, I said, and so I started complaining to her. I said, what, what, what? What's now what's wrong? And, and so she, she tries to tell me. And finally, she just says, no, I think it'll be fine. You just go ahead and wear that. Well, I know what that means, too. It says, wear it, loser. So I go in the closet and I change what I'm going to wear and I come out wearing a bad attitude is what I come out wearing. <laughs> Sunday afternoon, we've got, a, we've got a schedule to keep because we're going to have the first meeting of our, our, our new small group and we're all going to get together. And, and so I call over to a local store and order a, tr a, 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 a tray of wraps. And I said, okay, I need to pick it up at this time. I said, fine, we'll have it ready. And so that's going to be great. And so I go to the store. You ever been to the grocery store on Sunday afternoon? Chose one million people are there. <laughs> and so I get there, and there's this really long line right there where they do the subs and the wraps. So I stand in line. Pam goes to grab a couple other things. And I finally get through the line. And I say, hey, I'm Jack Reisner. I called in. And she says, oh, you're in the wrong line. Since when do you have a new line? Well, that's over in catering over there. So I go over to catering. Nobody there. That's a good thing. But the lady at the desk is talking to someone, and she's making an order. And for 10 minutes, I stand there, and I'm getting no help because she's talking to this lady on the phone. 
Finally, somebody else comes around and says, can I help you? I said, yeah, I'm supposed to pick this up. So she goes to this big refrigerator. She opens it up and says, there's nothing in here. I said, oh, I'm on a mission from God. you got to help me here. <laughs> so she calls over to the place I had been, and they said, we don't have that order. She said, what number did you call? So I pull up my phone, and I go back to Google Maps where it showed me that store and the phone number. I said, that number? She said, no, that's the number to the other store. I said, Jesus, come home quickly. Get me. I'm just... <laughs> so I said, what am I going to do? She said, well, I'll call over. I'll cancel that one. And then she called back over to where I had been. And they said, well, give us 30 minutes. I don't have 30 minutes. I'll wait 30 minutes. So I wander through the store. And in 30 minutes, I go back up to the table that, where they sent me. And there's a sign that says, closed. <laughs> I'm thinking, Satan is behind this. So I walk back over to where I started, where the line is. I get there and I said, I'm here to pick up. And she said, oh, go to that desk over there. I said, there's nobody at the desk over there. She said, oh, let me check. She says, so she runs over to the desk over there and she looks in the refrigerator and she says, nothing in here. Then she comes back, finally they find it. And I am so stinking frustrated at that point. Don't they know that I'm God's obedient servant? <laughs> Doesn't Pam know that I'm God's obedient voice for the morning? People work with me. God, what do you want from me? What God wants is that which concerns him. See, Jonah's obedience and disobedience came from the same source. What concerns Jonah? Jonah is concerned about himself, how those things affect him, what is convenient for him. I will get in a boat and go to Tarshish because that's convenient for me. I will try not to be eaten by another whale because that's convenient for me. I will try not to make God upset because that's convenient for me. But the last thing he wants is God's concerns to become his concerns because that means he's got to go into the holy wild. And when you go in the holy wild, you have an uncontrollable God who's really difficult to deal with. So after Nineveh repents, Jonah goes up and looks over the city, and it's, it's hot. And if you've ever been in the Middle East and, and, and the wind's blowing, and it's, it's like a blast furnace, and miraculously, this vine grows up in a day and covers him with shade, and he's got to be thinking, oh, see, now God's blessing my obedience. And then this happens. Jonah 4, 7 says, but at dawn the next day, God provided a worm which chewed the vine so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, it would be better for me to die than live. But God said to Jonah, do you have a right to be angry about the vine? Well, I do, he said. I'm angry enough to die. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this vine, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left. And many cattle as well. Should I not be concerned about that great city. And you know the weird thing? The story ends right there. We don't know what Jonah said. But we know this, that Jonah thinks that God doesn't get it. And the truth of the matter is Jonah doesn't get it. I mean, why, why, why? 
Did God pursue a sulking, griping, stingy, self-absorbed, arrogant poser named Jonah? Why not let him just sail off unaffected? Why would God send a storm and a fish? For the very reason he sent a prophet to Nineveh, because God is concerned. If we're going to live in the holy wild, if we're going to wander and journey with Jesus, then we need to understand that we're going to be with an unsafe and an uncontrollable God. And to do that, we're going to have to be concerned about what he's concerned about, and, and that's going to scare us. And he's not so much concerned about my obedience. He's not concerned about whether I get the respect because I obeyed or I get reward because I obeyed. He wants me to be concerned about what he's concerned about. He wants me to be concerned about how my wife gets treated as Jesus treats the church. He wants me to, to walk into that market, that grocery store, and bring peace, not detonate some attitude bomb in aisle seven. We can be an obedient, bitter, quarrelsome, demanding, sun-scorched, angry enough to die voice for God, but we will never enter into the holy wild, and we will never have our heart broken for what breaks his. We will never see the restoration with those where our hate has built up an impenetrable wall. We will not experience the joy of seeing an ex-spouse or a hurtful church or a broken family or an evil city repent. So I have good news and bad news for you. And that's how we end each of the messages of this series. The bad news is this. God is concerned about the wrong people. And I can tell you who they are. Here's the good news. We are some of the wrong people. And he's concerned about us. He wants to heal us, and that only happens in the holy wild. I hate you, I hate you, I hate you. And then Cho breaks down and begins to sob. And a pastor stands up, and then another one, and then soon all of them are standing. And then one by one they come, and they kneel before Cho, and they ask his forgiveness. And it changes his heart. It changes his message because it turns to, I love you, I love you, I love you. Sometimes God makes us do what we don't want to do to reveal our hearts, but also to heal our hearts because that's his concern. And that's how it works in the holy wild. And we can't be healed until we trust this unsafe, uncontrollable, massive, loving God who is other who is holy because his ways are better, his love is perfect, his plan is right. So we conclude this gathering today by inviting the worship team to come back on stage. In just a moment, we're going to sing an expression to this otherness of God. But I don't want you to sing it so much as a corporate group. I don't want you to hide so that God can't see you. I don't want you to feel like you're a mass of many people in this place. I want you, even if you have to close your eyes and imagine it, I want you to go face to face 
because that's where it starts and that's where it always has to continue face to face with Jesus. And while we're singing his otherness and his holiness, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to say to him, no matter what you ask, I will trust you. Now shape my heart. Because there's a really good chance he's going to ask you to do something you don't want to do because he wants to expose what's in the heart. But you've got to be ready for that because that's what Jason was talking about earlier. That's the depths. To deal with the things we don't want to deal with. But if we're going to become what he's designed for us to be, if we're going to be the church that resists what's happening in the culture and stands against the evil and brings justice, then we've got to go deeper than we are. Because, man, it's, it's like junior hires playing in the NFL. You can't do that. And unless we get deeper and stronger and let him rearrange our hearts and we trust him in the most unimaginable ways, we will be too weak to resist what God's trying to do to our families and to our city. And it's time we've got to change. And for some of you, he's going to rearrange your heart and he's going to say, you know what? You need to be at worship every time those doors are open because you can't make it without it. You need to start reading my scriptures. You need to deal with this person in your life that you didn't want to deal with. You got to go be this thing. You got to go do that thing. You got to go on that mission trip that you feared. You got to go do those things. Because he's other and he knows what's best for us. So would you stand? And as we sing, would you go face to face with him? And would you say to him, would you say to him, I will trust you. Now shape my heart. Let's sing together and then I'll be back up to dismiss us.
so the, the beauty of all this is that he is so other and so holy and that in reality we can't hang out next to him or it just makes us dissolve. But God made a way and he put himself in flesh and he came as Jesus and he said, I'll make a way for you to come back and be with God because your sin has separated you. But see, God, God pursues us like he pursued Nineveh, he pursued Jonah, he pursues us because he loves us. He's, that's his concern. So he wants you to come home to him and, and he made it possible. Jesus came to die on the cross so he took our offenses that we had against God and Jesus carried them and paid the penalty, he died and in reverse we got everything that was good about Jesus applied to our account. And that's why Jesus has been pursuing you. That's why Jesus has been after you. You may think I've just been too evil, I've just messed up, I've, I've messed up way too many times. The scripture says his love is never ending. You can't exhaust it, you can't measure it. So he's after you. Yeah, but I, 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 you know, I, I gotta do a lot of good things to, to take care of that. No, you don't, because there's not enough good you can do to warrant God loving you. So just, just jettison that, because you can't go anywhere with that. But he did say this, if you'll trust me on this journey, and trust me to forgive you for your sins, We'll walk this journey together. And that journey leads you right up into my presence and with God forever and ever in his otherness because in the process, he will make us other. Much better than we are now. So I, I, can't, I can't leave this gathering. I can't, I can't have us go without giving you opportunity to make a faith statement today to say, I'm gonna put my trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins. I want a journey with him. I wanna come home to God because that's where we're headed. So can we do this? Because we're, we're family, we're community. We're, we've all come to Jesus messed up. In just a moment, would you, would you turn to the person next to you and would you just say to them, would you like to come home to Jesus? It's the journey we're talking about. Would you like to come home to Jesus? And if that's you, say yes. And then the person who asked you and you, I'm going to have you just come and stand right here with me. We're not going to single you out or embarrass you, but we're going to have a, a, a prayer of faith to begin the journey. It's going to give you incredible freedom and you get to walk with this God who's so concerned about you. You may not know the person next to you, but that's okay. We're family here. And so whether you're in the balcony, galleries, main floors, would you just turn to the person next to you and just right now, would you just say to them, would you like to come home to Jesus? You may have asked him before, but ask him again. It's a new day. And then just come and stand by me. Would you do that? Just right now, turn to the people next to you. Say, would you like to come home to Jesus? That's it. Come on. And you just come stand by me. Come on. The outback can wait. You're fine. That's it. Come on. This is a God moment for you. This is a God thing. That's it. And you said, well, that's kind of weird because I've never done that before and I'm not at this kind of faith thing that you're doing. And now I wish I'd have said yes. Well, so just turn to the person to you and say, change my mind. And you guys can come on down and join us here. It's amazing that God pursued you. Isn't that amazing thing? And I'm gonna tell you, somebody down here thinks that you are just too corrupt for God to forgive you. I'm gonna tell you right now that there is no sin so deep that his grace does not go beyond it forever and ever. You're covered. 
And the moment you said, even in your heart, please forgive me, it's erased. It's gone. My attitude last Sunday had to be confessed, and God took care of that. So don't you dare hold it against me. So we're going to pray a prayer of faith. It's going to be from the Scripture, and the Scripture's truth. And I want you to repeat it as if it's coming out of your own heart, because it really is. And God will hear your prayer. And these people back here, they're hanging around because they're going to help you and encourage you. They want to repeat it with you just to let you know that they still believe it. So would you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, I want a new life. So I confess that I've sinned against you. Please forgive me. For you promised, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from all impurity. So I believe you. I trust you. My sins are gone right now. And you have set me free. You also promised that if I put my faith in you, you make me a child of God. I declare, according to your own words, that I am now your child. I will journey with you. So I trust you. Please shape my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, that's great stuff. So, so this is not a just a one thing where you say some words and you're done because now it's a change of life. That was a, a reshaping of, of who you are for the better and, and values. And, it's, and we want to help you on that journey. So here's what we're going to ask you to do. Pastor Jason's going to go up to this door. In just a moment, I'm going to encourage you to just walk up these steps. If you have trouble getting up steps, the ushers will get you around. We're going to take you to the choir room. Nothing weird or wacky is going to happen to you there. We're just going to, we're going to give you some information, that a gift to you to help you on this journey. And there's people back there to answer any questions you have. If you came with somebody, they'll wait for you. They will wait or we'll get you home. We'll even take you out to lunch if they desert you. But we, we got you covered. And, and it'll just be four or five minutes and then you'll, you'll be back out and you just meet your friends out in the lobby. So I want to welcome you into the journey because we're all journeying together. We love you. Thanks for being here. Head that direction if you will. There you go. And to you all that are standing there, looking so nice today. Don't walk out of here and forget what God has just said to you and what you just said to him. Let him shape you this week and go deep and be ready for him to show you amazing things about you and what he wants you to do. God bless you. Have a great Sunday.